More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. I wish I could use that too, but I don't dare. I, I, I don't dare use either one of them. I would just crack a couple of jokes here to the to the staff, and their reaction is to shake their heads. They're laughing. They're laughing uncontrollably and then shaking their heads at the same time, saying, "You better not. You can't say that." And of course, they're they're right. Anyway. How are you, my friends? It is great to have you with us. It's great to be with you. We have three hours of broadcast excellence straight ahead. The phone number, if you want to join us today, is 800-282-2882 in the email address, lrushbow at eibnet.us. So, uh, President Trump, another rally, Moon Township, i.e. Pittsburgh, last night, you know... Folks, I have to tell you something. Uh, I watch these rallies, but more than that, I look at these crowds. Do you realize how big these crowds are? These crowds, especially in the past couple of weeks of rallies, these crowds have been bigger than any of the crowds in 2016. And I find myself, I look at it, and then the, the, the campaign releases photos of the crowd uh, after the event or during the event. It, it's massive. And I have found myself asking a question, who are these people? And I don't, I, I don't I'm not asking that uh, in, in terms of, of being critical at all. I really would like to know who they are. Who is it? Let, let me put it this way. Who is it that would on it? I, I know it's the weather's not cold yet, but it's in the, it's in the 60s and 50s uh, now in late September. Uh, these people are showing up from who knows where. I'm, I'm sure nearby, but they're showing up. And it, 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 you don't just drive to the event here and and uh, spend a couple hours and leave. You've got to get there early if you want to get in. You've got to go through security. It's pretty much a multiple-hour commitment to go to one of these things. 
And you're not going to get close enough to the president to get a selfie photo or a a handshake, certainly not, or an autograph. Uh, President pretty much scoots when these things are over um, after he dances to YMCA. That's that's and they play YMCA as the closing music when the president finishes, <laughs> and, and he does his little dance and jive to it, and he gets on a plane and splits. But these, they're, they're literally thousands and thousands of people. They're being totally ignored by the media. It's as though they're not there. They are taken for granted. It's not assumed. And it's not even questioned what impact all these people are going to have on the election. There's, it, it strikes me how, how odd it is that there isn't any curiosity about it. And I know why. I just watched television here before the big broadcast began, and there's some Democrat senator on there named Chris Murphy. This was on Fox. And Chris Murphy is going on and on and on about how the Republican Party is just a cult. It's all it is, is just a cult. Have you all seen the way the casket of Ruth Ginsburg arrived at the Supreme Court today? You want to see a cult. Take a look at the way the left is handling the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Anyway, so this guy, this Senator Chris Murphy, says these guys, they're just a cult. And he says, I'll give you the proof. The proof is that they are already unanimously supporting a nominee that they don't even know. They don't know who the nominee is. The president isn't going to announce a nominee until Saturday at 5 o'clock. And yet, this cult party, the Republicans, are in total unity already. And I said, you know, that's very clever, Senator Murphy, but that's not the way to look at this. How about you people on the Democrat side? You are already destroying a nominee that you haven't seen yet. You have already begun the process that you engage in every time one of these things happens. You have already begun your attempt to destroy the nominee, and you don't know who the nominee is. And yet the Republicans are somehow a cult because they are supporting a nominee that they don't even know yet. The fact is they do know. Trump provided a list. And the fact of the matter is that anybody on that list is pretty much going to be accepted. And particularly with the the top two that are speculated here, uh, Judge Lagoa and and, uh, Judge Barrett, I mean, either one of those two will be a Grand Slam home run. They've been vetted before, Senator. They are on the judiciary as is, already out there on the circuit court. They've been through this. You people in the Senate, the Democrats, know who they are. You vetted them. The Trump gave us a list, so we know who these people are. But they've they've got judicial track records, so it's it, you don't have to be a cult. This is not a blind acceptance. It's not as though we don't know who the nominee is going to be. We just don't know specifically which one. It's no. I was not just washing my hands. Why do you think I was just washing my watch? Just asked me if I was washing my hands. Do you know the watch now? 
when you wash your hands, it records it. It urges you to do it. And it came out long before even COVID was a big deal. I must have been rubbing my hands together here like when you wash your hands. And the, the watch, the microphone hears water running and knows that your wa- thinks it knows. And so it asks you. That has to be what happened here. So, at any rate, um, they can't stop the nominee. They don't have the votes. Now, one a clarification about, about Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney has not promised to vote for the nominee. Mitt Romney said that he is not going to vote against a floor vote for whoever the nominee is. But he is going to wait to make sure the nominee is qualified. Now, Romney is like everybody. Romney knows who it's going to be, one of two, one of three. Romney, if he wanted to, could announce his support. But he's going to wait until Trump actually names the judge. The Trumps out there say, oh, man, the Republicans have never been more unified than they are now. And that's true in any number of ways you might want to look at it. I mean, you look at uh, 92% of the Republican Party, the voters, the the, the base, if you will, supports Trump. Uh, 82% are in favor of one of these two judges being nominated. The Democrats are just... Frustrated that, as it appears on paper, they can't stop the nominee. But you know what, folks? It's not going to. It's not going to stop them from trying. They're going to do once these hearings are three days, four days, whatever the limit is. They're going to do what they do. They are going to do everything they can to destroy whoever the nominee is. But I think it's classic, Senator Murphy. These people are a cult. They're supporting a nominee. They don't even know yet. And you guys are out trying to destroy a nominee you don't even know yet. And furthermore, with you guys, it won't matter who the nominee is. The nominee could be St. Peter, and you people would be out there trying to destroy him if the Republicans were trying to put him on the Supreme Court. doesn't matter who the nominee is as far as you Democrats are concerned. Do you remember earlier this week, what is it? What, what's the date? Is this the 23rd is today? Um, so it's a couple of days ago. Little story here, headline, today I gave my dad a choice, Trump or his grandkids and his son. Remember, we had a discussion over how Donald Trump and support for Trump is breaking up families and how children are blackmailing their parents saying if you if you want to see your grandkids if you want your grandkids to be part of your life if you want to be part of their life you got to renounce your support for trump remember that story was about a guy named leo gwinnon leo gwinnon wrote the story in a publication called medium and it was a piece of sheer Emotional blackmail. And is a glaring example of how the left is using emotional blackmail on their parents. We've talked about this for a while. I've I've, uh, shared with you a number of people who are my age who now have grandkids and they are afraid to say one positive thing about Donald Trump 
in the presence of their 30-year-old children for fear that their 30-year-old children will deny them the chance to be a part of their grandkids' life. And so my friends who are my age do not dare say a word about Donald Trump. Some of them don't even say a word about me. Some of them have been forced to renounce me and the EIB network. That's how deep the emotional blackmail is. So anyway, Mr. Gwinnon writes this piece, Today I gave my dad a choice. Trump or his grandkids and his son. Today I found out my dad put a Trump sign in his yard. And I got peed off. Really peed off. And I sent him and my mom a text. And this is what the text said. Quote, Due to the signs in your yard, the kids and I will not be down. The current occupant of the White House of preaching hate and violence, endangering the lives and safety of many of my friends. This is not acceptable to me at all. There is a complete disregard for women, for minorities, science, ethics, and morality. Remember, we, we tore this down. We, we unpacked all this. His tweet concluded, please consider if you support Trump that much because I hate him that much. I wanted to be upfront and honest about my feelings and screw you if you don't renounce Trump and take those signs out of the yard. At this point, it's not acceptable to me. You can vote for whoever you want, but I can choose who I surround myself with. I love my dad, but I can't be around him until he understands how vital I believe this election to be and what is truly at stake. It's not easy, but it was necessary now to see what fallout occurs. So here's this guy, Leo Gwinnon, and he's talking about how Trump has total disregard for women. And I pointed out there are more women in the Trump administration in positions of genuine influence and power and relevance than ever were in the Obama administration or any other Democrat or Clinton administration to boot. Minorities? Trump has done more. Look at the African-American unemployment rate pre-COVID. Trump has done more for minorities in this country than you can shake a stick at. Science? That's all about climate change. Ethics, morality, all... Well, anyway, there's an update to the story. Mr. Snurdly found this. Uh, it's at BizPack Review. It's not at Medium. And the headline is, I screwed up. Man's ultimatum to parents over Trump signs in yard backfires, and now he's sorry. And if you read not very far into the story, you find this. The writer, who described himself as being toward the liberal end of the spec, toward the liberal end? Toward the liberal end? Can't even admit what he is. Describes himself as being toward the liberal end of the spectrum. Noted that he realized the irony of the situation when he found himself the topic of discussion on the Rush Limbaugh show. Well, let me tell you, it's the Rush Limbaugh show that caused whatever change of mind this guy had. Nobody else was talking about this. That's why this program equals cutting edge of societal evolution.
This guy, Leo Gwinnon, who asked his parents, with his hands shaking and tears in his eyes, to remove the pro-Trump sign in their yard, came back with an apology after his rant backfired. Leo Gwinnon penned a personal recounting of the lessons he learned after giving his family the ultimatum on their display of support for Trump. Explaining in a follow-up entry this week that although he wanted to trigger a response with his initial piece, he wanted his apology to go viral as well. Meaning, this is the apology. He didn't mean to do this. He didn't mean to talk to his parents this way. Um, so anyway, what what's the point here? Well, there are many, many points here. That is, one, if you're a leftist, be really careful if I find out about what you're doing and tend to go public with it, because then you're going to be embarrassed when the whole country finds out how cockamamie you are. But then he's had to backtrack and apologize, meaning his parents didn't have to change it. They didn't have to remove the Trump signs. And this guy caved and is going to make sure that the grandparents are allowed to see the grandkids. This is a lesson for you out there. You parents who think you're well, no, think you're being emotionally black blackmailed by your 25 or 30 year old kids. Tell them to go pound sand. You should have been doing that all their lives anyway. No, 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 I did not lose my place. I'm going to finish my thought on who are these people showing up at the Trump rallies because it's I've I've I, I think it's deep. I I think the answer to the question is uh, is a profundity in and of itself. It's it's massive, the numbers of people showing up at these rallies. And, you know, they were totally ignored in 2016. They were totally missed. Back then, if you recall, conventional wisdom was that, that the size of crowd, the, 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 the size of the crowd at rallies was irrelevant to um, elections, to how much strength a candidate had. It was irrelevant to votes. Conventional wisdom was that rallies, you can have beaucoup people. In other words, it didn't matter that Hillary Clinton was only drawing 200 or 250 and Trump was drawing 15,000. It didn't matter because crowd size doesn't tell you anything. So they ignored the people. They ignored who they might be. And even to this day, as I have said countless times, maybe so many times I've bored many of you, but the professional political class on the Democrat side to this day has not endeavored to find out who those people are. They have not tried to find out who the Trump base is because their arrogance and condescension has already told them who the Trump base is. And who are they? They're a bunch of dumb, stupid hayseeds. And that's all you need to know. They're a bunch of hicks who make up a cult. They're unreachable. They're not worth spending any time on at all. That's how the Democrats have seen them since 2016, since 2015. And it's how they see them now. Total discount, total ignoring, total... And it's so much more than that. Particularly... The makeup of the crowds in 2016. Therein lies the secret of the Trump victory. 
Who were those people in 2016? And when you find out, because I'm going to tell you after the bottom of the hour break, when you find out, you'll understand why it's uh, it's relevant. By the way, Mr. Mr. Gwinnon, Leo Gwinnon, uh, wrote here that, you know, who, who am I to wield that kind of power over anyone's behavior? Who am I to tell my dad he can't see his grandkids if he's got a Trump sign? Who am I? I can't do that. I apologize to my dad in person. I screwed up with him. I own that. I'm okay with making mistakes because that's the best way to learn. So I screwed up in a big way, and I'm going to apologize in a big way. This program made all that happen, I tell you. Welcome back. Great to have you. Rush Limbaugh, the EIB number. You know, I was just reminded it's even worse. Here you have this Senator Chris Murphy talking about how the Republicans are a cult because they're unified. Actually, they're not. Now, Trump said they're more unified than they've ever been, and that's true, but we still have two defectors. And that would be Susan Collins and Murkowski, that the Democrats, before even knowing who the nominee is, the Democrats are totally unified in opposing whoever the nominee is. So... As is the usual case, the, the the Democrats are the they are the the gigantic hypocrites. But of course, it's not news that there's hypocrisy and hypocrites in uh, in politics. Uh, before I get to my in depth uh, breakdown of of my question, who are these people at the Trump rally? And again, it's not a critical observation. Don't misunderstand. Let me start with line one, because we have some uh, – I want to get calls on this now rather than an hour from now when people may not know why the caller is talking about the subject. We'll get the subject and the calls buttressed back-to-back so it makes sense. This is this is Nan in the Villages, Florida. It's great to have you. I'm glad you called. Hello. Hey, Rush. Thanks for taking my call. We pray for you every day. Okay. You have lit a fire under me. These spineless parents and grandparents that will succumb to threats from their kids about not seeing their grandkids, whatever, if that was my kid, I'd say, fine, you're out of everything. You're not getting a dime. The the grandkids will get everything. I'm so tired of people. Well, you know what would happen. They'd just steal it from the grandkids. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'd make sure that didn't happen. I'm a smart, conservative woman. I love President Trump. I'm in a Trump rally today at the Villages. We're expecting over a 1,000 golf carts. And you know what? I'm not going to be bullied. And thank God for people like you. And, you know, we need to rise up and stop being these little timid. I don't wear masks. You know, I'm, and I'm a good person. You know, I help my neighbors. Damn straight you are. Absolutely. There's no reason people like you need to run around thinking there's something wrong with you. There's not a darn thing wrong with me, Rush. Not a darn thing. I love my country. I love my president. I love my family. And there are so many more people. And you love the EIB network. I do. And I love you. And just let you know, my little grandson had a Skype call with a librarian at his home school. They said, what are you reading? And he brought out his Rush Limbaugh books that you wrote for kids. He wrote, he read every one of those books and took him less than three weeks. What is that? The, the Rush Revere books? Yes. How old is he now? He's learned, he is eight. 
Well, you know what? I'll tell you what, I, Nan. I want I want you I want you to hang on. Mister Snurdly is going to pick the phone up here and get uh, a, a shipping address for you because we want to send your grandson some stuff uh, from the Revere neighborhood. From the from the Revere neighborhood of the of the whole operation here, because we got some really cool stuff that uh, uh, goes great with with the books, and we'd be more than happy to do it. And you certainly deserve it. I want to I want to react to something she said. I have to preface this by reminding everybody that I do not have children, so I may be all wet here. But I do not have that emotional tie in my life. And I understand what it is. I understand how deep and strong the emotional bond is. But I have to tell you, as an observer, I have been, let's just say curious, at the way child rearing has occurred in certainly the last generation, 25 years, and maybe even longer than that. And, you know, you can see it in the pop culture. You can see how child-rearing, the raising of children, if you will, for those of you in Rio Linda, uh, I can, you, you can see how it has evolved in our culture by watching... Uh, the various ways it's portrayed in TV. I'll give an example. Occasionally, I will watch a program called Law and Order SVU. This program has been on the air for like 20 years, and they've yet to run out of storylines, and it's about uh, sexual crimes in Manhattan. It stars Mariska Hargitay, or Hargitay uh, who's the, she's the daughter of Jane Mansfield, if you know who that was. And anyway, she has become a mom uh, at age 80. I'm exaggerating. She's become a mom. I think the adoption, I don't know. But I'm not, I'm not exaggerating much when I tell you that she'd be sitting in her office at the police headquarters and her phone will ring and it'll be the school where her son Noah is. And the school will tell her, Noah is crying. You have to do something. And she will stop what she's doing. She will leave the office to go because her son is crying. Noah's really upset. He's crying. Oh, no. and then, then and then the way they portray it when she gets to the school. What's wrong, Noah? I hate you, Mommy. I want my real mom. Oh, no. And then, then she goes sulking away in the bathroom. My kid hates me. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm thinking I compare all this to the way. Uh, my brother and I were raised, which is my uh, nearest mode of comparison. And I'll tell you something, folks. Uh, I, I, you know, every parent, every set of parents does it their own way. And there's no school you go to. There's no manual. Everybody does it their own way, but I really think that we've we've lost control here. I think Nan from the villages is right. I think it's I think it's completely out of phase. When I hear people my age, sixty eight to seventy, 
literally say that they don't dare talk about their support for Trump or they will not be allowed to see their grandkids. The first thing I ask myself is, did you ever discipline your kids when they were growing up? I I just, I don't understand it. But it seems like the kids, who by definition can't possibly know what the parents know. Now, I mean, that's not true. I mean, parents can be surpassed by their kids in just in book learning. Uh, like the, the great Louis Armstrong song, What a Wonderful World. He's talking about some baby just born, and he says uh, in the lyric line of the song, he'll, uh, he'll learn much more than I've ever known. That's, that's, of course, true as we continue to chart knowledge. But I'm just talking about life experiences. Um, if somebody 40 years old is going to have many more life experiences and thus much more wisdom than somebody 15. And yet we're letting the 15-year-olds tell us what's going to happen. And how we have to behave. And I just, I can't relate to it. If I had tried that with my parents, I, <laughs> I it, it would not, it would not have flown. It would not have, like I've mentioned to my father, who was brilliant and could express his intelligence. I mean, there was no doubt that he was. There was just no way he was going to let some 15-year-old high school punk tell him something about life. Uh, it, it, he might be polite hearing it, don't misunderstand, but uh, he was not going to actually consider that the 15-year-old might know more than he did. And But this is not an arrogance thing, and it's not... You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's about raising kids properly and imparting your knowledge to them and your wisdom in ways that help them and all that. And uh, the whole concept of tough love, there's a place for it, even with child rearing. And that's what I think has vanished a lot. So we have Nan here from the village. Village is saying, if, if, if my kids try to tell me that I can't see my grandkids, fine. They're out of the will. I don't care. They're out of the will. I'm not going to sit there and just cower in fear over, over what, particularly about my political, particularly when I know more than they do about what's good for this country. They can't possibly know what's good for this country if they're supporting Democrats. They can't possibly know it. That's the way I'd look at it. If my kid were were aiming or leaning left, I'd be so scared, and I would take him. You can't possibly know what's best for this country if that's what you think. I'd tell him that flat out. No, you think you would rush, but when you have your own kids, you wouldn't talk to them. And I have to say, okay, maybe I don't know. Since I don't have that emotional bond, it's hard for me to actually claim what I would do. But my, I'm honestly telling you that that's what I would. If I'm minding my own business one day and have a kid, the kid comes home, I think I'm really going to vote for Biden. Why? Because I hate Trump. I don't like Trump's tweeting. I I would ask myself, how the hell did it even get to this point? Is my kid not listening to me? Is my kid rebelling against me? And is that why the kid is, 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 you know, I'd get to the bottom of it. I'd want to know, okay, why? What in the world? How, when, when did you lose your mind, son? Tell me, at what point did all this crap on the left start looking good to you? Where did I go wrong? However I would play it.
And I would just tell them flat out, if you think that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, who put a lid on their campaign, have you ever wondered what's going on? They put a lid on a campaign every day at 9.30 a.m. Biden puts a lid on it. That means they shut it down. You know what's going on? You know what's going on? You know what's going on? He's doing debate prep. They are scared to death. They're cut. They're they're using money and the media to do their campaigning for them while Biden is obviously doing this debate prep. They're paranoid what's going to happen with these debates. And I'm telling you, if you overprep a candidate for anything, you overprep anybody for a debate or a public appearance, you're going to end up causing them to freeze anyway because you're going to overload them with information. And with plugs, it isn't going to take much to overload it. Uh, it's just, just the way it is. I mean, putting a lid on the campaign every day at 9.30? And where is Harris? Where the hell is she? She's not out there. Everybody talks about plugs not taking questions. Neither is she. She's, she's invisible. She's nowhere out there. Meanwhile, Trump is working himself like nobody's ever worked before. And the contrast is so obvious. I mean, Biden couldn't do 1% of what Trump is doing in any given day. And, and ditto Kamala Harris. But you know, I, I just... Back to the kid thing to close it. Oh, nope, gotta go. Gotta go. Out of time. Sorry, folks. All right, so... We're back. El Rushbo executing assigned host duties flawlessly. Zero mistakes. Uh, I'm going to grab that phone call here in just a second. But first, grab somebody number two. I want to get this out. There's panic settling in. Remember, folks, I'm the guy who told you back on September 15th. I'm the guy who told you the events shaping the election haven't happened yet. You poo-pooed it. Oh, come on, Rush. It's all baked in by now. And then we had the death of a Supreme Court justice. And it just... It changed everything. Now, COVID's not an issue. Nothing the Democrats were planning on being an issue is an issue. In addition to that, they're panicking on ABC because Trump is now beginning to show leads in battleground states. This Robin Roberts and Cecilia Vega at ABC. These debates, they're vital in this presidential election because our new polling showing that the race still so close in key battleground states. Is that the case? Yeah, exactly. We've got some new polling in. Let me show it to you right now. Uh, we are talking about Arizona and Florida, states Uh-oh. that Trump won back in 2016. And right now, it looks like the president has a slight edge among likely voters oh, in both no. of those states. In Florida, Biden, he's got tepid support among Latinos right now, Robin. And the president, he's really winning on the economy overall. Voters overwhelmingly favor him to handle it over Joe Biden right now. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, did you hear that? In their, in their polling, they're polling Trump has a slight edge among likely voters in these states. Biden support tepid among Latinos. Well, wait a minute. I thought Biden was up 8, 10, 12, what have you. Now in the... I know Trump losing double digits here, double digits over there, single digits over here. Now he's leading in the battleground states. Whoa. No kidding. That kind of snuck up on everybody, didn't it?
All right, let me grab Stephanie here in Swansboro, North Carolina. Welcome to the EIB Network. Great to have you with us. Hi. Oh, my gosh. Rush, this is the greatest thing that's happened to me in 2020. So I wanted to call because I've been to two Trump rallies. I've attended one Trump boat parade, and I was in a Trump boat parade that had 3,500 people, 3,500 boats in it. And we know that we're being dismissed by the media. You know, we talk amongst ourselves when you're waiting four, six, eight hours, and we're all employed. We all took a vacation day. We've taken our kids, and we love that we're being dismissed because the longer the time goes by that they don't have a clue as to who the real patriots of our country are, the hardworking people are, the more they ignore us, the longer and the more elections we're going to win. And the one thing that we all discovered is typically the older people, they get the landline phone calls as to who they're going to vote for. These little 80- and 70-year-old people, and myself included, we've all lied to the pollsters. We've all said Biden, 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 Biden. Oh, yeah. I know, the, I know the games you're playing, and I heartily applaud lying to the pollsters. I, uh, I don't want to say that too loud. I don't want you to quote me on that. Um, but, I know, look, I know who you are. This is the thing. I've, I've got a very in-depth explanation of who these people are, you and others at these rallies. And um, I'll get to it in the monologue segment the next time. I'm glad you called Stephanie. We will be back, folks. Don't go anywhere. All right. The long knives are out now. A bunch of parents sending me caustic notes telling me it'd be best if I just shut up since I admittedly am not a parent. And they give me examples. I'll share one with you as the program unfolds at the beginning of the next hour. In the meantime, you sit tight. I remain undaunted. Don't worry. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. 
Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Third time's a charm. Greetings and welcome back, Rush Limbaugh and EIB Network. It's the fastest three hours in media. It's great to have you here. By the way, folks, I meant to mention this in the... In the first hour, the the mayor of uh, Lul came out right before the program began, maybe right as the program was beginning, claiming that, not claiming, he's uh, saying that a grand jury report on the uh, on the Brianna Taylor murder would be revealed at one thirty, And the way he made it look like all hell is about to break loose in Lul. Um, now, the mayor has since put a curfew in place for Lul uh, ahead of the grand jury report. So that kind of tells you what he thinks is going to be the reaction to the grand jury report, doesn't it? If he put a curfew in place. So... I don't know. I just, I remember the grand jury report in Ferguson, and it cleared the cop. Remember what happened in Ferguson. A total lie got its hooks into our country deeply, and it survived. The lie was hands up, don't shoot. The lie was the gentle giant, Michael Brown, was minding his own business, walking down the street on a Saturday afternoon in Ferguson, Missouri. And what was he doing? Why he was? It was August, and he was thinking fondly of uh, how, in just a few weeks, he was going to be going away to college and uh, a new chapter in his life—a young life filled with promise. And then this racist cop happened to drive by, and the racist cop happened to see that this black kid was walking along on the sidewalk and decided just to shoot him. And the cop went in there and Michael Brown saw what was going to happen, put his hands up, don't shoot, don't shoot. Cop pulled the trigger. That lie still exists. It's like the lie in Charlottesville where Trump supposedly praised skinhead Nazis as being good people. He never did. He never even got close to saying that. But that's another lie with hooks deep into our society and culture. Same thing happened at Ferguson. Then the grand jury report came out. The grand jury report was the truth. It said that the guy had held up a convenience store. He had been high on marijuana. He was walking in the middle of the street, not on the sidewalk, and there was no way he was thinking about going away to college. And furthermore, when the cop attempted to get him to stop walking in the middle of the street, he attempted to get the cop's gun by jumping inside the cop's car. And that's why the cop responded the way he did. But no... I mean, even the St. Louis Rams players are being introduced before the game with their hands up, as in hands up, don't shoot. And it didn't happen. So now we have the grand jury report that's going to be announced 
in less than a half hour in Lul. And whatever it is, is probably the mayor there is worried that's going to cause all hell to break loose. And he's put a curfew on for uh, tonight. But the city, I, th- I think city Lul has already, without even a verdict, paid her family a lot of money. So uh, we shall see. Now, here's here's an example of email that I got from a um, um, an audience member, disgruntled parent. Uh, Dear Mr. Limbaugh, you sure do claim to know a lot about something you admit you don't know anything about. And that is parenthood. Hey, you know what? Let me just tell you. You don't have to have done something to be knowledgeable of it. Like, there was there were attempts way back in the late 80s to get people like me to stop talking about the defense budget because we had never served in the military. You can't. You're not qualified. To, well, wait a minute. I don't have to have served in the military to be able to be conversant and knowledgeable about the defense budget. And I don't have to be a parent to know when a good job is being done and a bad job is being done. But this is the way our societies also evolve. Disqualify opinions you don't like if you can by suggesting the person with the opinion isn't qualified to have it. So anyway, dear Mr. Limbaugh, we had dinner with friends recently. They're very conservative. They have a 24-year-old daughter who was home recently from wherever she's off to. And they were just devastated, Mr. Limbaugh, because their darling 24-year-old daughter accused them of being racists. There were two reasons why. Their their darling 24-year-old daughter accused them of being racist. One, they had sent her to a private school. Second reason that their darling 24-year-old daughter accused them of being racist was they bought a house in a neighborhood where there were very few black families. So, Mr. Limbaugh, because they wanted their darling 24-year-old daughter to be protected and because they wanted her to be well-educated, in her mind, they are racist. On the other hand, Mr. Limbaugh, their son, 26 years old, he's a total Trump supporter. He listens to you every day. So tell me, sir, how is that a parenting issue, you bloated bigot? Wait a minute. I'm not bloated anymore. And besides, the perfume on your email reeks, if you must know. I am telling you, Mr. Limbaugh, there is a war on for the minds of young... I know this. I'm the one telling everybody about this war. White College-educated women are the foils. They are the ones that are the front-line marchers for Black Lives Matter, for example. I know what's going on here. Now, Mr. Limbaugh, there has always been this war in my lifetime. I know, I know the modern era feminism kicks off in the late 60s. I know all about this. 
I, I, I know how it has torn families, it's torn our culture. But, this, you know, feminism, the militant feminism has done more to wreck our culture and society. It'd be, it'd be difficult to find something that has been just as damaged. I'm sure there is, but off the top of my head, uh, you, I guess you could pro- probably take pretty much any front-facing left-wing issue and say the same thing about it. But, man, militant feminism has just destroyed so much. It's made so many people not happy. It has been so filled with false promises of contentment and happiness and fulfillment. It's just been a disaster. It's got people acting it's got people not knowing who they're supposed to be. It's got people questioning who they really are. And one of the greatest things in life is knowing who you are and liking yourself. It's one of the greatest things that could ever happen to you. You know how many people don't like themselves? They're either too fat. They don't think they're smart enough. They're uh, going to have good hair. It's, it's, it's amazing. When, when somebody actually likes or loves themselves, it's such a blessing. And feminism has made it so difficult to like yourself if you're a woman. It's, it, it, it's a shame. And it's confused men out the wazoo to boot. You had people like Gloria Steinem and Eleanor Squeal and all these other Molly Yard. I am outraged. These people have been battling for the minds of young women for 50 or more years now. 60. Have you heard, Mr. Snurdly, that uh, the left-wing media slobbering all over the place that Cindy McCain has endorsed Biden? Didn't she do that at the convention? But does anybody care? Nobody cares. How many additional votes is this going to get plugs? Answer, zero. This is supposed to be a gigantic blow to Trump that Cindy McCain is endorsing Biden? What's this going to do? Depress us? Going to dispirit all of these Republicans out there? Think Trump is losing sleep over this? I don't think so. By the way, uh, uh, Lul has been boarding up for days. Preparation for riots. Following the release of the grand jury... Um, uh, report today. Um, so, anyway, um, yeah, you sit there and wonder what a grand jury would. Have. There, it, you could, you could almost say there's no way that a a sane grand jury should indict a cop for shooting back after being shot at. So we'll have to wait and see what's going to have to bottom line in the Breonna Taylor case. The cops knocked down the door. Her boyfriend shot at the cops, and the cops shot back. What's that you say? Feminism? Welfare has done more to damage society than feminism? Well, maybe. Welfare has been out there for much longer than feminism has. Uh, the cops did what? The cops at the wrong, the wrong house of the raid. They were... The cops are raiding the wrong house when they were fired at. 
Well, then how did her boyfriend get shot? Or how did she, if they were at the wrong place? Oh, okay. So in your mind, the cops are guilty here and need to be... Tragic mistake. Okay. Well, that's not going to satisfy anybody. Well, I don't care. It may be what happened, but it's not going to satisfy anybody. It's not going to... It's like, hands up, don't shoot. It's going to be the only thing that was going to work in, uh, in, in Ferguson. Okay, no, I have not lost my place and I've not forgotten. Uh, these... Rallies, the Trump rallies, as I mentioned, have really got me curious. All these people that show up, I mean, tens of thousands, every rally, they are there. They've been every rally for four years, five years now. And especially if you go back four years ago, who were they? Remember the Tea Party. The Tea Party was people... Now, this is 2010, and it was Obamacare that, that, that gave birth to the Tea Party. It was organic. The Tea Party was people who had never participated in organized activism before. They had voted, but that was it. They had they had they'd not gone to fundraising events or they'd not knocked on doors. They'd not been official employees of any political operation. But when they saw what was going to happen to health care and their kids and grandkids, they were scared of it over the spending. They organically grew out of society and it stunned everybody and it scared the hell out of the Democrats. They didn't know where these people came from. They immediately had to be destroyed. And so the Democrats created their own group. They, but the difference is they went out actually created a fake and phony group that they tried to pass off as uh, as organic. Uh, and the Tea Party scared the hell out of the Democrats. Now, when the Trump rallies began. Six years later, the same thing did not happen. Who, whoever those people were showing up at the rallies did not scare the Democrats, did not scare the Republicans, did not scare anybody in the political class because they were immediately discounted. They were thought of as brainless, hayseeds, that they were for Trump. I mean, what more evidence do you need that they're dumb, that they're stupid? And remember... For most of 2015 to 16, nobody thought Trump was going to win, so it didn't matter who they were. But even after Trump wins, there wasn't any curiosity about him. All there was was an attempt to impugn them, to destroy them, their character and their reputations. So the Trump team in 2016, they wanted to find out who these people were. And they did. They found out that there were a lot of people in those rallies who weren't registered to vote. They would vote for Trump, but they weren't registered. These people really were deeply buried in our culture and society. They were so turned off of politics for so long that they hadn't registered to vote and they hadn't voted. 
and they hadn't been involved in politics and they hadn't even paid attention to it. And it was Donald Trump who awakened them all. It was Donald Trump who brought them out of wherever they were lurking in the shadows. They were uninterested in politics. They didn't care. They didn't think it mattered. They didn't think their vote mattered. They didn't think there was anything they could do that would change the course of the country. So all they could do was try to find their place in it and make the best life they could. They had no faith in politics. They had no faith in Washington until Trump came along. These, these new people, these, these were not kids coming to voting age like the Democrats are depending on. The Democrats, every election, are waiting for this magical turnout among America's youth that never happens. That's not who these people were. They were adults. They lived in flyover country. They were just trying to make a living, have a life. They never felt included in the political process. There's more. What more? Hang on. Be right back. Hi, welcome back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to get to the Senate report on uh, on Hunter Biden and Barisma. We'll, we'll get to that before the program ends. I get, look, I can't do everything in the first hour. That's why that's why the program is three hours. That's why you got to listen to the whole thing. Now, I want to I want to finish this business with these people at Trump rally because this is really key now, folks. They're being totally ignored. They're not they're not being uh, even now uh, shown. Proper respect. But these people, and it's true today, too, the same people, these were adults. It's important out of 2016 to remember who they were. They were adults. They lived in flyover country. They were just trying to make a living. They were just trying to have a life. They never felt included in the political process. It's not they felt excluded. It's that they felt it didn't matter. They were one vote. Their one vote didn't matter. Whatever they wanted never seemed to happen. Politicians were hypocrites and liars. It seemed to them like a waste of time. They used to vote. They used to be involved. But there was never any really payback in that investment. So they just tuned out. And Donald Trump comes along and something about the way he spoke and the things he talked about brought them out of the shadows. They did not fall into traditional political groups that are constantly polled and talked to. Blacks, Hispanics, lesbian, gay, transgender, bisexual, millennial, religious. You couldn't categorize them that way. And so they were really not very interesting to, to, to traditional political consultants and professionals because they couldn't be categorized. They didn't, in fact... Nobody really cared. I mean, why would you care about people who don't vote? Why would you care about people not even registered to vote? So they were just ignored. Now, it's probably a lot of people are surprised to have this many people that not be registered to vote. But there's more people like that than you could probably comprehend. There are more people that feel left out. And I don't mean that they feel rejected. Do not, it's not a psychological thing. It's, a, it's an intellectual thing. They just think that there's no that they, they thought in 2016. Lied to. Nothing ever really changes. They're watching jobs. Their jobs leave despite the fact they don't want that to happen. Hang on. 
Hi, welcome back. Rush Limbaugh analyzing the people at the Trump rallies and why they are so influential. And the answer to that is largely because the American political class has taken them for granted or ignored them. The Democrats especially, but the Republicans too. But I think there are a lot of people that fall into the category. They're not registered. A lot of people can't understand that. But like yesterday, I don't know if you noticed it, but no matter what you did on your computer or your phone, you were met with a get out there and register today. It was National Voter Registration Day yesterday. You would not believe the number of people that are not registered to vote. In addition, you wouldn't believe the number of people that Democrats want to register multiple times. So there's a lot going on. Remember all those old MTV get out the vote campaigns? And they never worked. Their objective was to turn out the vote among the youths of America, the teenagers, the 18-year-olds, all the way up to 34. It was there the Democrats' power was. That's where all the young, blue-eyed liberals were. This is where the future Democrat Party was. Those people never showed up to vote, though. They might have registered, but they never showed up. They never do. But there was rock the vote. There was get out the vote. There was, uh, you know, flush the vote. I mean, every four years there was a new campaign. Because there are millions of people who aren't registered. Believe me, there are more people fall into that category, you'd believe. As such, they're never talked to. If you're in politics, where the name of the game is getting votes, why would you waste time on people that aren't registered to vote? Especially after all the efforts to register votes, or voters, why would you spend time? You wouldn't. So these people are not talked to. So nobody cared what their issues were. Nobody cared about their lives. Politically, they didn't exist. They couldn't vote, didn't vote, weren't going to vote, so what's it matter? But see, it did matter to Trump. These people watch their jobs leave, and they hear people promise in politics it's not going to happen. They hear all these promises about tax cuts and how you're going to have newfound wealth. Uh, None of it ever happened. Trump spoke to those people in ways no one had even imagined to try before. And the two things that hit home in Trump's rallies in 2016 were trade and his simple way of saying, you have all been screwed over by Washington elites and China, and I am going to make it right. We've had some of the stupidest leaders in our history make the dumbest deals with China. And that resonated, and the political class couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe that people who were not registered and didn't care about politics could care a whit about China. Or trade deals. I mean, trade deals, those are really elite things. And then, of course, immigration. And immigration, they didn't want to care. They didn't want to, the elites didn't care because it wasn't, they weren't going to change their minds about it. Anyway, Trump says he's going to build a wall, keep illegals out, and he's going to get even with the Chinese. And here they came out of the woodwork. 
So what did Trump and his campaign do with this rather shocking realization of all of this untapped political gold? Here you've got thousands and thousands and thousands, maybe millions of unregistered voters who all of a sudden are interested in politics again because of one guy, Donald Trump. So what'd they do? You know what they've done? They've spent the last three years working on these exact people and getting them registered to vote. And this is something the political class has missed. For the past three years, the Trump campaign has been focused on finding as many of these people that go to the rallies and people like them and getting them registered to vote. They have spent a ton of money and a lot of effort on this group of people who woke up to politics after a lifetime of being disinterested or uninterested because of Donald Trump. So the Trump camp and the Republican National Committee have a massive grassroots campaign that nobody knows about. The grassroots campaign is voter registration. The people are all, they're qualified leads. They want to vote. It's like a qualified lead in sales. You don't have to close the sale because the qualified lead already wants to spend the money. You just have to find a way to facilitate that. Same thing here. These people, they don't need to be sold on Trump. They already are. They just need to be registered. And that's what the Trump campaign's been doing for the past three years, along with the Republican National Committee. And yesterday we have National Register to Vote Day, or whatever it was called. Every business, every platform, every celebrity was all over your computer all day yesterday. All over your phone, telling you to register to vote, acting like nobody was. Now, Biden and Kamala Harris, they don't have anything like this going on, folks. They have no ground game because they don't have to. They have farmed this all out to corporations, to Hollywood, to Michael Bloomberg. Michael Bloomberg giving money away in Florida to felons or any number of people. And by the way, there is a a story in the stack how what, what Bloomberg is doing may be criminal. I forget. It's not extortion something. I'll find it in the story. But a lot of people are thinking that what Bloomberg is doing here by stopping off in Florida and paying people, essentially, to vote the way he wants to vote, may not be totally kosher. But anyway, you got Bloomberg, you got Silicon Valley. All of these get-out-the-vote people, all of these mainstream media people urging the vote, the voter registration drive, they're doing it for plugs. He doesn't have to do it. He doesn't have to spend any money on it. The left has had sports heroes. They have had Michelle Obama. All of this rock the vote, get out the vote stuff. The Trump people have been working themselves silly for the past three years, getting every one of these people that showed up to a Trump rally registered to vote. And even at that, you look at them and these massive crowds and you still say, who are they? Who is it that takes the time? And it's a massive amount of effort to go to one of these rallies. And then they buy hats and they shirts, flags, and all that. And the closest they get to Trump, they still need 
binoculars to see him up close. And yet they do it. I don't even know if the people I'm talking about were members of this audience. I mean, they could have been that disconnected from politics. If the powers that be in in politics, Democrat or Republican, if they had a proper understanding who these people are, they would be hustling like you can't believe to find out who they are and to get them registered. This is this is a massive find. People that have been disinterested and all of a sudden one day were. All this new passion and so forth and Trump has them. Here, let me grab a quick call before we have to take the next break. This is Diane in um, Vermont. I need to put my glasses on to read the town. Lunenburg, Vermont. Well, that's, I've never heard of it, so it didn't look familiar to me. Anyway, how are you out there, Diane? I'm I'm great, Rush. How are you doing? Fine and dandy. Thank you. Great. Uh, quick shout out to my husband, Jim, for turning me on to you back in the early 90s in Sacramento. Um, my point is, I was trying to answer the question that you asked earlier, when did parenting go awry and when did we start changing our style? And you were right that it is a progression. But my grandmother had told me that she, she was a, I'm 61, she was a child of the Depression. And it was very hard on children then. And they never, they kind of scarred them. They never forgot it. I've spoken to a lot of older people since about it, and they agree. So they were a little lighter on their kids. And, you know, because they remembered how bad it was to be a kid then and, and swore they would never do it to theirs. I'm going to tell you something. That's, a, that's a good observation. I know what you mean when, when you say that they were hard on the kids yeah. uh, in the Depression. You had to be. They had to grow up fast. Yeah. They had to learn yeah. that there were things larger than themselves. And they had to learn yeah. that real fast, especially during the Depression. That's when right. my parents and, grew up. And, and, and from that spawned um, my belief that as a homeschool parent, we yanked them both out in fifth and sixth grade um, at different times for different reasons. Um, but people would always talk about raising children. It's like you're not raising children. You're raising adults. They're, you know, yes, you want them to be kids, but at the same time. Oh, isn't you know, that clever? I just, I'm a sucker for philosophy, things like that. <laughs> you're not raising kids. You're raising it. It's true. Yeah, you're it trying to true. teach them how to be adults. That's exactly right. There, there, there is some sanity in the state of Vermont, and we had a big Tea Party group here. And a shout out to all them; they'll know who I am, and I know who they are. So, anyway, Rush, love you. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you awesome. for thanks. No, no, Diane, thanks for the call out there. I, uh, I, I deeply appreciate it. Um, I go. Time just marching on here; it's racing by. We still got plenty of it though left. So, sit tight. We'll be right back. Having more fun than a human being. Which, of course, uh, I am one in good standing, should be allowed to have a household name in all four corners of the world. Here is Elliot in Wilmette, Illinois. I'm glad you called, Elliot. Great to have you. It's been a long time since we've had an Elliot on the program. Why, thank you, Trump. It's a delight to speak with you. I'm, I couldn't be happier. Thanks to you for taking my call and Mr. Snurley. I'll be quick. I'd like Trump to win just enough electoral votes on election night so that Walter Mondale could hold his head up high. That kind of a victory is what I think he could do. But with mail-in voting now, I believe the Democrats' goal is not so much to win, I don't think they can, to win the election, but to spoil the election, which is, goes back to what you were saying. I think they're trying to ruin people's confidence in the election results. And if they drag out the election 
for days and weeks the way they did with Al Franken, um, they'll be able to do that. Uh, why would uh, I'm, I'm, the timing of what you're saying is what's got me a little perplexed here. First, but what? Why do you want them to do whatever for Walter Mondale? Oh, if I was thinking, if he would. I mean, Mondale lost in a landslide, and you're yet you want a very close election here that's not decided for what two or three days. No, I'd like him to win overwhelmingly, uh, which which he will if everybody comes out. I just meant that if he uh, by Walter Mondale, if he wins by similar numbers as Reagan did. Um, then perhaps Walter Mondale wouldn't feel so bad about losing so bad. I don't want a close election. Okay. Uh, I things. Okay. I thought, then I missed it. I, th- I thought you wanted a close, I thought you wanted him to win, but not by much, so you could extend this out and disappoint the Democrats somehow. That's what I thought I heard you say. I'm sorry, no. I want him to, but I'm afraid with mail-in voting, they're going to be able to say, well, the election's not really over until we finish counting all these ballots. Right. You know, for days and weeks to come. Even if they lose. Oh, wait. Okay, so you want a massive landslide so that the mail-in vote doesn't even matter. Got it. I got you. Okay. I'm afraid they're still going to be able to say, well, they didn't really win because we never got to count all the votes, you see. Well, let me tell you something. The reason I got caught short is because your your claim that they uh, want to hurt confidence in the process. They've already done that. This is the thing. These people, meaning the Democrats... Their refusal to accept the results of 2016, they still haven't, folks. They are still out pushing the idea that Trump stole that election with the Russians. They are still pushing it. They have done more to tarnish the reputation, the image the sanctity of the American electoral system than any saboteur could. The Democrat Party has done more to ruin the perceived honesty and integrity of our electoral process than anything Vladimir Putin could. And it's a shame because there is no way, and I, I want you to listen to me here, there is no way to rig a presidential election the way they are claiming Trump did. Now, you would need a really close election where the Democrats could say we need an additional 50,000 votes in Cook County or we need an additional 80,000 in West Virginia. And you delay closing in those places and you manufacture the votes. You, you mentioned Al Franken finding votes in the trunk of a car two weeks later. You can do that, but that you, you need the election to be over. You need it to be over, and you need to know how many votes you need and where. And then you need to be able to offer a good excuse why the votes haven't been counted yet. But to go in and rig the election before Election Day, to make sure that no matter what happens, your guy's going to win, it's not possible, folks. It simply isn't possible. And no less than Barack Hussein Obama has made this point. And yet the Democrat Party has done everything it can to make people in this country believe that's exactly what happened, that the Russians wanted Trump, and so they made it happen. And that Trump knew about it and helped them and worked with them. And I'm telling you, 
the American presidential election is so complex. It has so many precincts. You can't predict anything about it, You starting with turnout. After turnout, you can't predict how people are going to vote. If you could, then there would never be any drama about this. It's not possible to pre-arrange a winner. Not the way the Democrats have tried to convince the American people that it happened in 2016. As a result, there isn't an election going forward that isn't going to be considered dishonest or suspect. If Trump wins on November 3rd, you haven't seen anything yet. The Democrats have already set the stage. They've been doing it for four years. They've been setting the stage for the 2020 election to be rigged, to be stolen, that Trump's already done it. And they have probably persuaded a lot more Americans than you would think that that's true. By the way, the Senate report on Hunter Biden and Burisma, you know what it does, among many other things? It proves that Trump was right asking the Ukrainians to investigate him and Biden. And they impeached Trump over this? He was dead on right asking Ukraine to investigate Biden. We will be right back. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I 
detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back. Rush Limbaugh and the excellence in broadcasting network, having more fun than a human being should be allowed to have. Uh, phone number 800-282-2882. And the email address, lrushbo at eibnet.us. And we're doing our best here to keep what's happening in Lule um, in some sort of explainable fashion. So here's, here's as, as best I can explain this to you now. Um, a grand jury has indicted one of three officers on criminal charges in the fatal shooting of Breonna Taylor. Six months after her death in Lowell, the Jefferson County grand jury has voted to indict Officer Brett Hankison. Now, ahead of the announcement, the Lowell mayor announced a curfew. And the uh, the Lowell Police Department said that the U.S. National Guard has been activated. So, the, the mayor is convinced that all hell is going to break loose. Because the mayor of Lowell is convinced that this is not going to satisfy certain uh, certain segments of the population. So the former detective Brett Hankison indicted three counts of first-degree wanton endangerment. Sergeant Jonathan Mattingly not indicted. Detective Miles Cosgrove not indicted. So if I understand... What's going on here? The cop who was indicted has already been fired. He was charged with wanton endangerment of the neighbors who lived in apartments around Breonna Taylor's apartment. There are reports that the uh, the protesters standing outside the courthouse are confused and livid. Now, I did not think the... Uh, Livid is probably true, and they may be confused, but I don't. I think whatever the grand jury came out with today, these people that everybody is worried about <clears throat> rioting and and so forth, and we're going to do it anyway. Now we have an audio soundbite here from a CNN reporter by the name of uh, what is his name, Shimon Procoopers. Or maybe it's Procoopas or Kopuchek, Kopuchek, no, P-R-O-K-U-P-E-C-Z, Procoopas, Procoopas, Procoopas. I think I've covered it there. Anyway, here's his report on the the grand jury indicting the former police officer Brett Hankison on three counts. Here's a report. Let's see what he says. People here are very upset about this, Brianna. We had some folks here. So there, there was a woman who I was talking to. She was in tears over this decision by the grand jury because they feel that the prosecutor did not go far enough. And if reaction from here is any indication, this indictment is not going to be sufficient for a lot of the people who've been out here protesting every day, sitting 
here for weeks calling for justice. And you can hear behind me already, um, I think a lot of people, Brianna, are going to be very unhappy about this. Why, that sounds like CNN's giving a thumbs down to the grand jury report. It sounds like CNN's saying, go ahead and burn it down, gang. Does it sound like that to you? Pretty much. Uh, CNN would like to see it burned down. Uh, all that coverage, blame it on Trump. Blame everything on Trump, see where they can get. So that's, that's the status. Now, I want to move on, because this is a story in motion. It has a lot of fluidity to it, so we'll be monitoring it as it, as it happens. Uh, there is this, this Senate report that has come out on Hunter Biden and the massive corruption that he was involved in with the government of Ukraine and the energy company Burisma. It is, it's a, it's a massive story. Senate report slams the Bidens for conflicts of interest and it flags possible criminal activity. Now, granted, it's a Republican investigation. It cites glaring evidence of a Burisma bribe, suspicious foreign money transfers, and sex trafficking. A year-long Senate investigation concluded that Hunter Biden's efforts to cash in on foreign business deals during his father's vice presidency raised alarm among U.S. government officials who perceived an ethical conflict of interest and flagged concerns about possible criminal activity ranging from bribery to sex trafficking. The report by the Republican-led Senate Homeland and Government Affairs and Senate Finance Committees delivered several blockbuster revelations less than a couple of months before Election Day, suggesting that Obama regime... Officials ignored clear warning signs about ethical conflicts and possible extortion risks involving Biden's family. This report makes it abundantly clear that it goes way beyond ethical violations, that we've got serious criminal violations that occurred here between Joe Biden, his son Hunter, the government of Ukraine. And we've known this. This is the crazy thing. We've known this. Joe Biden's own words. Remember, they tried to indict Trump for trying to meddle in the internal affairs of Ukraine. Trump calls the guy on his perfect phone call, the president of Ukraine, and suggests that he could be very helpful if he would start an investigation into the Bidens. That Hunter Biden was dirty in his arrangement with Burisma and energy companies. Ends up being paid billions or millions of dollars. Doesn't know the first thing about energy. It was a clear quid pro quo gig that Hunter Biden got without any qualification simply because he's the vice president's son. It got so bad that Ukraine was in the process of prosecuting Hunter Biden. And then Joe Biden, as vice president, went over there. And we know what comes next because Joe Biden bragged about it in a speech that he gave, a little seminar that he participated in at the Council on Foreign Relations. And paraphrasing... Biden's telling the assembled crowd, and there's, there's you know, 150 people there, Council on Foreign Relations is a very elitist offshoot of the deep state. 
And Biden is bragging about what he did. And he claims that he told the president of Ukraine that if he didn't fire the prosecutor that was investigating his son, then a billion dollars that had been earmarked for Ukraine would be withheld. Biden was going to see to it. He's bragging about his ability to do this. And then he told the people at the Council on Foreign Relations, if you don't believe me, then you can call Obama. This is what he said to the president of Ukraine. If you think I'm making this, if you call Obama, he'll tell you, if you don't drop, if you don't fire this investigator, if you don't fire this prosecutor, Obama will withhold the money. He's bragging about this. He's on tape. There is video of Biden bragging about this. We've known that there was corruption. We've known that Biden was intimately involved in it. He admitted it. And the prosecutor was fired, and the investigation into his son was stopped. And Ukraine got their billion dollars in aid, but it was held hostage. And Biden indicted Obama. He, he in, in the way he told the story, he made it clear that, that, that Obama was also willing to withhold the $1 billion. And he says, if you don't believe me, what he was really saying, if you don't think I'm high enough here on the food chain, if you think I'm just a lowly vice president, you call Obama. Call Barack. Call Barack. Barack will tell you. And this is some of the things that Trump wanted these people to investigate. And it was on that phone call that they claimed Trump was meddling in internal affairs, and they impeached Trump over this. And it turns out that Trump, like every other instance involving these so-called violations, Trump's the one that was innocent. Trump, the one that was that was been proven to be on the right side of the law. There was corruption. There was shenanigans going on. Trump wanted to get to the bottom, but Trump ends up impeached while Biden ends up the Democrat nominee with everybody ignoring what he did. And that's the Senate report today makes note of this and other things. The report raises serious preguntas that former Vice President Biden needs to answer. There are simply too many Potential conflicts of interest, counterintelligence, and extortion threats to ignore, said Committee Chairman Ron Johnson in an interview with John Solomon at JustTheNewsMam.com. Here's a pull quote. The Obama administration knew that Hunter Biden's position on Burisma's board was problematic and did interfere in the efficient execution of policy with respects to Ukraine. Moreover, this investigation has illustrated the extent to which officials within the Obama regime ignored the glaring warning signs when the vice president's son joined the board of a company owned by a corrupt Ukrainian oligarch. In all, Hunter Biden received more than $4 million from Burisma during a time when Burisma lobbied the State Department to make longstanding corruption allegations go away, at times invoking the vice president's son's name for pressure. 
So this is saying they wanted Hunter Biden on the board because of his name. Didn't matter that he was not qualified, didn't know the first thing about the energy business that Burisma was in. They were willing to pay him $4 million, and all they wanted was his name and the name of his dad so that it could be used to pressure investigators into stopping their investigations. It's, this is a very, very long news story, but it's if it were about a Republican who had been nominated by his party to be the nominee for president, his campaign would be over today. If this report were about Trump and a son of his, that'd be the end of Trump's campaign. The media would make sure that Trump resigned. The media would make sure that whoever the Republican was. But Joe Biden is not even going to be asked about this. He's not even going to be held accountable. Neither will Hunter Biden. Where is Hunter, by the way? Now, Kimberly Strassel, the Wall Street Journal, has tweeted a lot about this. And here's some of what she has said. The report, the Johnson, Ron Johnson, Chuck Grassley report raises the many and disturbing conflicts of interest surrounding Hunter Biden's business dealings while Joe Biden was vice president. But it also makes clear that the Democrat nominee is not being straight with the public. Joe Biden last year, quote, I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. Pretty definitive, right? I've never spoken to my son about it. Yet, according to testimony from former Obama official Amos Hochstein, he briefed Biden on his concerns about Hunter and Burisma in October 2015. And shortly after his conversation with Vice President Biden, Hunter Biden contacted Hochstein and asked to meet. According to Hochstein, Hunter became aware of Hochstein's West Wing conversation with the vice president who had mentioned it. So Biden's lied and lying through his teeth about not having spoken to his son about this, which is a crazy assertion. How in the world does he not speak to his son about this? The idea that he never said a word to him is absurd. Nobody would believe that. So bottom line is Joe Biden was specifically briefed on the United States government's concerns about Hunter and his his role with Burisma, and that Biden specifically did bring up those concerns to his son through this guy, Hochstein. Now, how does that comport with, I have never spoken to my son about? If Joe isn't asked about this at the debate, it'll be journalistic malpractice. Do you hear that, Chris Wallace? If you don't bring this up, The fact that Biden's lying through his teeth when he says he's never spoken to his son about this. It'll be journalistic malpractice. The report also shows that despite former Secretary of State John Kerry saying he had no knowledge of any of this, that in fact he too was briefed on Hunter Biden. It seems like a lot of people in the Obama regime knew this was a problem, but nobody did anything about it. There was no reason to do anything about it. It was the Obama administration. There was no scandal in the Obama administration. The only one that's ever been scandal-free, right? Obama tells this all the time. 
This is all relevant because of Biden's claim that he's the more ethical choice in this election. The Kentucky Attorney General is a Republican, Daniel Cameron. You've heard he was great at a Republican convention. He's African-American. No officers have been charged directly in Breonna Taylor's death. The cops did not go to the wrong house. And in addition to that, there's also a bunch of media garbage out there. It was not a no-knock warrant. That was a lie the media ran with for months, but there was not a no-knock warrant. Kenneth Walker, in the apartment, shot at police officers. The police returned fire. Brianna Taylor's death was an accident. It was a tragic accident. No officers have been charged directly in her death. It was not a murder. It was not a murder. That's not going to matter, though. The mob's got its mind made up months ago what happened here. So this was, you watch, this is predictable as what happened in, 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 in Ferguson, Missouri. Hey, folks, a large number of professional photographers recently suffered a big professional setback, all because the data on their computers was not backed up. Now, you got to think, photographers don't know that they have to have backups? These guys, well, had some women, too, they had trusted a company that specializes in properly storing their photography online. But that company failed them. The company was not a backup company. The company was just an online storage place, but it did not specialize in backups. That company failed them. They lost a lot of their work. This was their job. I mean, when you lose <clears throat> family photos or things that are very crucially important, it's devastating. This was their work. Now, I share that with you because it illustrates a point relevant to you. If you even remotely rely on your computer, you have to have backups of everything that's stored on your computer. And and the backups have to be somewhere other than your computer. The alternative is frustration and lots of it. You lose your data, your emails, your computer files. It's devastating. Now, I suggest that you use iDrive. iDrive is the number one ranked company in providing cloud-based computer data backups. Cloud-based means that it's securely stored on computers and servers safely away from your location. iDrive, and it's just like iPhone, iDrive has won PC Magazine's Editor's Choice Award in this category six years in a row. They make it easy to have a backup. They make it secure so that only you can access your data. And their customer service helps you along the way, all for less than $6 a month, folks. Sign up today at iDrive.com. Make sure you use my name, and you'll save 90% off your first year. They really want you. 90% off the first year? iDrive.com. That's the website. That's the web address. iDrive.com. Make sure you use my name in the sign-up process. That's how you get the 90% off on your first year. All right, we have to take a big break here at the bottom of the of the hour, but there's still lots ahead 
And as you know, we get more said in a half hour on this program than most people in a week. Yes, sir, Bob. Back at it we are, Rush Limbaugh, meeting and surpassing all audience expectations every day as America's real anchorman. All right, let's go back to the phones. This is Leanne in Greenville, South Carolina. It's great to have you here. Hi. Hi, Rush. Mega dittos to you. Thank you. My question is, is now that the family got $12 million for Brianna's death, and it was an accident. Does this mean every time somebody gets shot accidentally by the police, they're going to start paying out millions of dollars? Um, yeah, well, that's because tensions were so high. I mean, this is George Floyd is happening at the same time. The country is being roiled. They, they, I think in, in, in Lul, they always wanted to shut this down as quickly as they could. And Well, it didn't work, did it? <laughs> well, no, it never does. But but that that's what knee-jerk reactions always end up uh, uh, producing is is wrong reactions and wrong wrong uh, wrong decisions. Uh, I think we'll probably see more of it. But see, you're going to have a lot of people not going to accept the fact that the cops didn't do anything wrong. It does. See, this is the problem. You're going to have you're going to have in Ferguson, Missouri, to this day, hands up, don't shoot is still thought to be what really happened in that town. Yeah, you're right about the that. grand jury report. There was two of them. Don't forget, they had the first grand jury. And then what's his face? Obama's wingman in there. What's his name? Holder. Yeah. Eric Holder, the attorney general, went in there and did his own grand jury, and it came back the same way. And still, the left is out promoting that the whole thing was hands up, don't shoot, and the cops a vile, racist murderer. Well, they all should be in jail. Well, it's it, it, this is why it's so... Uh, I don't want to use a quaint word like unfair, but... They're destroying. They're destroying our society. They are dest- the media and these constant lies. This business of Trump supposedly saying complimentary nice things about neo Nazis that didn't happen. But you take these young twenty, twenty four year old white college women. It has ruined them. The ones that believe it. It has destroyed them. They're sitting there thinking the president of the United States got elected and is still supported by a bunch of white racists who probably think the same thing when he never said it. The media is responsible for so much of the state of our culture and society right now by promoting, by cementing nothing but a pack of lies, starting with... Trump is not legitimate because he stole the election working with Putin. Despite the Mueller report, despite oh, there's never been a shred of evidence, why does anybody believe it? There's only one answer, the media. And people do not question, not, a, not nearly enough people question what they, what they see. So... Yeah, twelve million dollars was paid off, and that was it. Was it was not so much hush money. It was just designed to trying to buy peace. Here's Donna in Manitowoc, Wisconsin. You're next. Great to have you. Hi. Hi, Rush. How are you? I'm good, thank uh, you. Mega fervent prayers for you and Catherine every day. Um, uh, we both appreciate that very much. Thank you. Been a hero for me. Um, I would like to talk a little bit about. 
Pelosi today insinuating that Trump has some hidden agenda with a Supreme Court pick. And to me, I would like you to get your thought on this, because I'm wondering if we're talking about their hidden agenda to possibly steal this election. And by that, I mean, we have all this chaos, all this mail-in voting. They're pushing all this stuff, contest, contest, so that I think they wanted it to go to the Supreme Court, where they knew that was their ace up their sleeve, and they could take that election away from Trump. And, you know, a little icing on the cake would have been payback for the decision against the, the Bush and Gore election. But my, my thought is, what do you think about that? Because there, I know it would have been went ballistic over any well, Wait, wait, wait. I'm, I don't understand. You, you, you think that they want a 4-4 Supreme Court that can't come to a decision? No, no. I think they. this is before Ruth died. I think this is all part of their plan. With a intact Supreme Court, it could have then gone there and got the, the election for them. But then Ruth passed away, and now they're really really in a bind because they don't have their ace up their sleeve anymore. Okay, so, but you started by saying that Pelosi uh, saying Trump has a hidden agenda over the pit. I'm not... He has a hidden agenda over the court, period, and I'm saying they had a hidden agenda over the with the Supreme Court as well, because I'm wondering if this was their plan was to have it go there and steal the election. What does it matter if Ruth Bader Ginsburg has died and the plan has thus been foiled? What does it matter whether that was the plan or not? The, well, plan, the plan's not possible now, right? No, I understand that. But I'm, I'm, I, my question to you is, are they capable of such, uh, such thoughts and, and strategy? Uh, yeah. Uh, they're clear. I mean... They refuse to accept the results of the election in 2016. They're effectively trying to steal that. They're the ones trying to steal it. I mean, they're the ones that ran the coup. They're the ones that ran this false flag operation that Trump was a spy for for uh, for for the Russians. Uh, Donna, thank you. Eric in Duluth, Minnesota. We'll give you a try. How are you doing? Good. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks. Good, good. I just had uh, kind of a theory I was going to run by you. Um, I have three young children, one, two, and seven, and I uh, kind of came up with something the other day. Uh, I think all children are naturally born liberal. They are, uh, they think everything's entitled to them. Everything's handed to them. If they don't get what they want, they throw a fit. Uh, And if they still don't get what they want, they hit, kick, and, and throw stuff. Well, I, I don't think they're naturally born liberal. I think in their early stages of life, they can't take care of themselves. And so everything has to be given to them. And they then come to expect it. And it's, it's, it's no different than uh, you can create welfare recipients out of any animal you want. Your dog is probably a big believer in welfare or your cat. Uh, these outfits that run feed the fish operations, they create welfare recipients out of the dolphins. They get fed by virtue of people driving up to them in boats and throwing food. So humans say, oh, isn't that cute? 
Look at Flipper eating. It's so cute. It's what. It's that's why parenting becomes important, because yeah, the kids. I don't think they're naturally born liberal. I think they're created, because they can't take care of themselves. You wouldn't expect them to. You wouldn't say to your two-year-old who can't walk yet, "Come on, get out of the crib, you loser, you joker, get out of the start walking, or else." You wouldn't do that. Here, eat this yucko. This applesauce garbage that your mother and I wouldn't touch. You eat this and you eat it. We wouldn't treat them that way. Here, little Johnny. What else can we get you, little? Oh, Johnny is so cute. Look at little Johnny throw up all over mommy new bra. Isn't that it? Johnny's cute. What's Johnny going to do? If throwing up over mommy's new bra gets him more applesauce, what's he going to do? All right. The spontaneous peaceful protest in Louisville. That's right, Antifa and Black Lives Matter have recently been seen unloading riot shields and signs from a U-Haul in a parking lot 15 minutes after the grand jury decision. So they had the U-Haul loaded. It was all ready to go for the spontaneous peaceful protest. Riot shields and signs already loaded in the U-Haul in a parking lot 15 minutes after the grand jury announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, you, um, you, you probably, you could tell me where all of your credit cards are right this minute. Right this instant, you could probably tell me. In fact, if you think that you left your credit card somewhere... If you can't find them, if, you, if they're not in your pocket or in your purse where you keep them, then you've got a pretty good idea where they are. It's, it's, it's important, right? I mean, it's a physical thing. It's a thing you can touch. Your credit cards matter. Without them, you can't spend anything unless you have cash. But at the same time, there is no way... You can account for all the places on the Internet your credit card information is stored. It's one thing to be able to tell me where your credit cards are at the moment, but where all that data is on other databases? See, once you type in that information and hit send and buy something from some company, it's in that company's database. And out of your hands... You are no longer personally capable of protecting the data from ending up in the wrong hands. You're trusting the company to do that. And you like to think that you can. You want to trust these online sites you do business with. And they're not purposely trying to screw up. Don't misunderstand me. But every now and then, your information is stolen or left exposed. And that's when cyber hackers get hold of it. And that's why there's LifeLock. LifeLock, online identity theft protection, looks out for your identity being used illegally and without your permission. They'll know. And they'll let you know when they think they see that. And they'll ask you. And this is how it gets shut down. And this will not happen if you're not a LifeLock member. You won't know when your stuff is being used by bad guys, but you will with LifeLock. Their systems are constantly monitoring billions and billions and billions of online transactions every day. They're looking for evidence. 
of illegality. Now, no one company can prevent all identity theft, but LifeLock is in a league of its own in discovering problems and helping you resolve them. LifeLock.com slash scan. This is a new address because if you sign up today at that address, you'll get a free dark web scan involving your identity. In other words, they will scan the dark web to see if your information is there. Because if it is, that's where it's being bought and sold. LifeLock.com slash scan is the website for this one-time offer. LifeLock.com slash scan. Use my name. Save 25% off the plan that you choose. Anna in Grand Junction, Colorado. I'm glad you waited. It's great to have you with us here. Hi. Hello. Hey, I have a theory about why um, millennial kids are able to hold their visitations to a limit or deny grandparents in this day and age to see the kids. I'm a baby boomer myself. uh, There were three kids in my family. I have two millennials myself right now and can see the grandkids. But looking back at my parents and grandparents, there was, they had like eight and nine and 12 kids in a family so that grandkids, grandkids ran them up. They were everywhere. But I have friends now who all they've got are grand dogs sometimes. I'm babysitting the grand dog. So when you're lucky enough to get a human grandkid and only one out of your one or two children that you had yourself, you, you feel like you've got um, got to kowtow to the request of taking your Trump sign. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Kids. Why? Why, whether there's 12 running around or two of them, why does having only two make you think you've got to kowtow to their demands? Well, because there's plenty of other grandkids to go around and spoil and let the other ones figure out what, what they're missing when uh, Grandma and Grandpa have got a passel full to watch and take care of already. Um, I just I feel like um, having a limited number like one, that grandparent's going to do just about anything to see that one, whereas if they had eight or nine. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) I finally, I find, I'm a little thick-headed here. I find with 12 grandkids, the odds are you're going to see more of them than you'll even want to. Because the parents are going to want to do everything they can to offload them on you. But with only one or two grandkids, you're going to have to fight to get their attention or to even see them. Because mom and dad are not going to be that eager to offload them because they're not going to be that big a hassle. At least not as big a hassle as uh, 10 or 12 of them. Oh, gee, five or six. Okay, so that makes a little sense. I'm glad you called. Let me squeeze one more in. Clarkston, Maryland, this is Andy. Great to have you. Andy, how are you? Rosh, I pray for you and Tucker Carlson and Hannity every day because I know God's got a special place for you guys because you keep misleading the country Republican ways. Oh, what a way to voter fraud. The only people that have ever brought up on voter fraud are Republicans. Really? The guy in Kansas City, the guy in West Virginia. What guy in Kansas City? You got to quit dividing this country, Rush. What guy in Kansas City? What are you talking about? No, no, Andy, Andy, would you, Andy, would you stop being contentious? You don't have anything to be contentious. Andy, what guy in Kansas City? The Republican freshman from Topeka. Charges. 
for ballot fraud. I don't talk about voter fraud. Andy, Andy, here's the thing. Republicans never get caught when they cheat. That's why we can say they don't. The liberals get caught all the time. You trying to tell me that you clowns on the left don't engage in voter fraud. That's the only chance you've got. Your people even know it. They admit it. Pelosi admits it every time she opens her mouth about this stuff. But we don't get caught, Andy, so I don't know what you're talking about. I'm still getting a big chuckle out of this. The, the Republican that got caught in Kansas City who was really in Topeka? <laughs> Voter fraud? <laughs> but these leftists, you know, they're going to believe what they're going to believe. Um, biggest problem they've got is that they just can't tell themselves the truth. And as such, they just can't deal with reality. And so that's what we're up against. Anyway, we'll be back tomorrow in 21 hours. We'll see you then, folks. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.